Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. Hi, Chandra. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm feeling okay. Better than I was for sure. I got this like nasty chest cold at Comic-Con and it's just hanging in there. To be fair, I don't do anything about it. I just like don't take medication. I don't take an antibiotic. I don't do anything. I just wait it out. I'd like to feel that it's more natural and my immune system is doing its job, but I think it's just so I can complain longer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're so alike in that way. Uh, so many times my sister will say, try the Flonase, do something. And I will say, I forgot medicine existed. Like I just forget. You just yeah. kind of just get in. You're like, okay, this is happening. I'm going to ride the wave. I don't know why. why this? I think I'm like very wary of antibiotics too, too much. You should be, I think. Yeah. So I'm trying to let my body do its thing, I guess, but feeling good. We're back. Uh, we're back home. As you know, we came back home to a flooded bedroom because of an air conditioning situation. You know, you're on the plane, you're three hours delayed, you're sitting on the runway with no AC for an hour and a half because it's an emergency. You get home at midnight and you walk into like an inch of water in your child's bedroom. And it just feels like, uh, you know what? This is it. Uh, you're such a good sport. You just kind of, you know, you let those things flow and roll and and you face them and mm-hmm. uh, home ownership, right? I... <laughs> hey. Hi. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. We're just talking about how much fun home ownership is and adulting. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like they prepare you. why don't they prepare us for anything it's so crazy I try to warn everybody but then it just makes it sound like you know I'm like I support your life choices but don't do it all right well I will introduce you Casey Lee thank you for coming to chat with us we're so glad that you're here and hope you're doing well um, Casey Lee is a mother to a two-year-old daughter, Eris, and a puppy, Charlie. She is the wife of Alasana frontman, Dennis Lee, both longtime residents of North Carolina. She has been friends with Dennis and the guys in Alasana since their inception in 2004. Professionally, having previously run the mail order department for multiple major brand merch sites, she now manages the Alasana online store and more recently their social media. When she isn't working, Casey uses her platform to advocate for her fellow mothers of children born prematurely and for the families of children with medical complexities. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, So wait, are you guys neighbors? Tell me everything. Pretty much. I think so. I think we're pretty close. We're in Winston-Salem. Yeah, we live about an hour away from each other. Okay, amazing. We should all do that that little town in Georgia that 
link that I sent you the other day, Nisha, I think probably 50 people sent to you. The one that's like the German town. Yeah. Uh-huh. I saw that. I never heard of it. It's... I don't think I did either until I had just seen it somewhere online. And I'm like, that's not that far. That's really cute. So, so curious. Bavaria. Like, it's so yeah. cute. Um, let's start off with what are you <laughs> juggling this week? So like most weeks, uh, my daughter has physical therapy, occupational therapy, feeding therapy, and speech therapy weekly. So that's always a handful. Um, but on top of that this week, the band had just done a pre-order for a bunch of new merch. So that's all coming in. Dennis is actually a screen printer as well. So he's the one printing all of it. So now I'm trying to get all of that packed up and shipped out next week and juggling all that, making sure we've got, you know, boxes, bags, all of that. Um, and then tomorrow we are going to a farm to pick flowers with Eris in the morning. So which should be a lot of fun. I'm just hoping we're done before it gets super, super hot out. <laughs> It's been really hot, but yeah, that's probably a pretty standard week for me though. So, and I get more details on this flower farm immediately. Yeah. I, so Eris, um, so she has a trach and a G tube as well. So we qualify for in-home nursing and our nurse Taylor just happened to mention that she was going by herself. And I was like, I want to go. And it's like 30 minutes away from us. And it's like $8 or something. And you go in and they have like sunflowers and dahlias and a bunch of different things. And you just, they're like, bring your own clippers and you pick whatever you want. And they have animals and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, well, that sounds adorable. So like a dream world. A dream. Yeah. So we're, we're going to go do that in the morning. I didn't really give Dennis much of a choice, but he seems excited about it. But I was just like, hey, I made plans for Saturday morning. So we're going to go do this. I hope he's ready for the photo shoots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's gonna happen. I already like picked out her outfit and all this stuff. So that sounds so adorable. I mean, I it's one of those activities too where it's like the extreme heat could thwart the joy, but mm-hmm. not completely. Never completely. exactly, exactly. Because you'll have the pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll have right. the memories. And that's another thing. Our nurse is takes the best pictures of her. So I've already been like, okay, so we're gonna need you to do like photo shoot of her, please. <laughs> I'm sure you develop like such a relationship, you know, with somebody who's like in your space and with your child and such a process. It really is. I mean, she'll be three in October and we're still dealing. I mean, she's doing great, but we still have a ways to go. Well, she's very lucky to have you and Taylor, it sounds as well. Yeah, she's wonderful. She loves Taylor. So we're really, really lucky. Cause I mean, a lot of families, there's such a nursing shortage. I know so many other parents who have never had steady nursing or never had nursing at all. And we had one nurse Iris for the first year we were home. And then we've had Taylor for about a year now as well. Um, and they've both been excellent. We've had various night nurses. Um, cause she was on a ventilator for the first probably six months we were home, uh, 24 hours a day. And then up until last September at night, and so if they're on a ventilator, you have to have somebody awake with them. Um, so it's having nursing at night is crucial. Uh, now we have it like two to three nights a week, which is still nice because I don't sleep much anyways, unless there's somebody else here, but we technically don't have to have it right now, but it's definitely been helpful. And I'm so grateful that we've had the people that we've had. Yeah. What a journey. It's so important. I mean, to get sleep for your own yeah, self, for your own for well-being. Sure. And to feel safe while you're doing that and exactly. like someone's got your back. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, okay, well, we've talked a little bit about what's going on with you. What is something that listeners might be surprised to hear about your life? Usually, I mentioned Eris in that aspect. So she was four months premature. Um, so, you know, normal pregnancy is 40 weeks. She was born at 22 weeks. Um, so she was a pound when she was born. Uh, she was in the NICU for nine months at three different hospitals. We started out at a hospital in Winston. We transferred to UNC for four months, then back to a different hospital in Winston. That's a children's hospital and discharged from there. Uh, so she was intubated for four months. Um, she went septic four times. She had pneumonia multiple times. There was multiple times where they were like, we don't think she's going to make it. You guys need to get to the hospital now. Um, she went on ECMO when she was six months old, which I didn't know what that was until she went on it, but it's basically like life support, life support. Uh, they actually put a cannula in your neck, pull the blood out of your body, wipe the excess CO2 of it, pump it back in your body. It's this huge machine. She's this little bitty baby. They, she was on it for five days and it was because she had gotten so sick that her CO2 was so high they couldn't measure it. And at that point, I just remember asking the doctors, okay, well, if this doesn't work, what do we do? And they were like, no, if this doesn't work, that's it. This is like last ditch effort. There's maybe a 50% chance this is going to work. And at that point she was six months old. So she had been doing so much better. And I'm like, what is happening right now? I mean, it was a lot to say the least. Like you go through that kind of stuff and you just go through it because you don't have a choice. And then after the fact, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was intense. That was really over the top. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is doing really, really well. She's delayed because she was in the hospital for nine months. And a lot of that, she was sedated. But, you know, she's still not walking very close. She's been speaking a lot more recently, um, which that's hard, too, when you have a trach. Because for the first little bit, uh, they inflated her trach so she, it wouldn't come out. It gives you a better pressure airway et cetera, et cetera. You can't talk when it's like that. So she couldn't even attempt to speak until she was well over a year old. Um, she's actually eating pretty much anything we put in front of her, even though she still gets some food through her feeding pump. Um, she, it's crazy because realistically, there's a lot of kids and families that I've interacted with who their child didn't make it. And on paper, there's no rhyme or reason why they didn't and she did it's she did and i'm so grateful she did obviously but on paper she shouldn't be here so she is and she's amazing and dennis is obsessed with that baby and she's obsessed with him if i am in the room and he's in the room i don't exist it's just him <laughs> this last tour that they did last month was really the first time i think that they've been gone and she knew he was gone but couldn't understand why he was gone and every time we would facetime she would just start whining and saying daddy oh my god and for the fir like first little bit he was back just if he left the room she was not happy that he had left the room it's one of those things that you know people go through and somehow like survive and come out of i'm sure you're still like emotionally there are parts of you that are still recovering yeah. and will always oh, yeah. be and but then to do it with a partner who may or may not be present or like, you know, this, yeah. the stress of being like, we need to be working or we need, you know, who's going to kind of be able to like keep the ship afloat because you exactly. guys work together. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a whole other layer. It was really hard. He, um, uh, so he was working at the screen printing shop at the time 
And he's talked before about how there would be mornings. We would go to the hospital together in the morning and the shop he works at, thankfully, they were super flexible with him and it was great. But we would go and he said there was literally times where he would have to turn around and leave to go to work and walk by families who had just lost their kid. And having to like shut that off and go to work like it was a normal day and how awful and difficult that was. Um, and then when we transferred hospitals, we were a couple hours away. And so during the week, I, it would just be me by myself all week. And then he would come and stay for the weekends. And so that day when she went on ECMO and she was so sick, I had to call him and figure out how I was going to tell him, hey, you really need to get here now something's really wrong without scaring him so bad that he comes, you know, hundred miles per hour down the highway and ends up in the hospital too. And I mean, it was just this really bizarre way, like just had trying to juggle all of it. He um, didn't tour at all while she was in the hospital, mostly because it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. So, cause she was born the end of 2020. And so, and honestly, I don't know that he would have, if it had come up, it was just, things were so touch and go for so long, but he did go out a couple of months, a couple of months after she came home. And even that was pretty weird trying to juggle because it was still, I was still nervous about a lot of stuff. There was definitely times I called him just freaking out while he was gone. Um, Cause that was still at the point where if she coughed. I'm like, what's wrong? Is she okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a lot calmer, but at first, yeah, it was it was pretty difficult. It's difficult under any circumstances. I still call and freak yeah. out. So I, oh, I need to. I did last month. And it was about like laundry or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just it. I mean, it's it's yeah. such a different circumstance anyway to have, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the life on the road. It's, wow. Yeah, it's so strange. I can't even imagine. I'm yeah. proud of you. Thank you. It's it's weird. <laughs> weird it's definitely not I mean we always kind of joke about how well you know this was not what we anticipated parenthood being I wouldn't trade for anything in the world I mean she's worth all of it but it's definitely difficult especially because it's the kind of thing where I would assume for most people you don't have friends or family who have went through something quite that like that um I'm sure there are people who do have friends and family who have but so it's not like I can call my mom and, you know, be like, hey, so what did you do when I was this sick and I was on a ventilator? Like, yeah. she doesn't know. Um, her pediatrician gets a lot of after hours phone calls, even um, every sniffle, every like low grade fever. I'm like, OK, we're just going to we're going to check this. And we're really lucky to live somewhere where there's a really good children's hospital because things happen like she will pull her uh, so her G-tube, it's in her stomach and we hook her feeding bag up to it. And she can pull that port out and it's kids do it. Every kid that has one pulls it out. And I mean, they literally tell you it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, and usually you can put it right back in. It's not a huge deal, but if it's out for more than 10, 15 minutes, it starts to close up and you end up at the hospital. And thankfully we have that children's hospital because usually it's, we go in and they're like, okay, done. And we're home within like two hours. So that's really nice. Uh, I, really feel for families of children with like any kind of medical complexities that do not live near a children's hospital because I've definitely heard horror stories of you know things like that like the g-tube and they take them to a regular emergency room and they just force it in and the kids crying and bleeding and you know with us they like dilate it open and it's not a big deal but 
we're very, very lucky to live where we live. You are. And at, at the end of the show, maybe if you have any like resources, um, supports, you know, spaces that you might want to share with, with listeners, that would be really amazing. Yeah, definitely. We studied hard for our trip to Italy and believe it's important to always be learning and expanding horizons. Along with Italian, we're currently studying Portuguese, Japanese, Norwegian, and more. That's why we're so excited to partner with Babbel.com, Languages for Life, to offer 55% off subscriptions. We love their app-based lessons, online classes, podcasts, games, and more. We'll hook you up with discounted memberships so that you can learn to order Vino Rosso in any language. Search bandwivespod.com slash Babbel to sign up today. So from all of this to now you're going flower picking. Yes. This big, tremendous climb. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I feel like every everything we've talked about so far is grounds to be proud um, for all of you, for your whole family. But can we get some more background on three things that you're proud of, past, present, and future? Yeah. So I definitely, with everything we went through, Dennis and I both actually try to make a point to talk about it. Um, I think there's so many times that people don't want to talk about, you know, losing a baby or struggling with health issues with your child or infertility or things like that, because people don't know how to react. Um, and it makes other people uncomfortable. Uh, cause before we even had Eris, uh, we actually had another baby, Annabelle, that I delivered at 18 weeks. So she didn't make it. And so we try to be really open about that. Even if it does make somebody uncomfortable, because the worst thing with all that, I think, was especially at the beginning, how alone we both felt. And when you know that there's thousands of people going through it constantly. Um, so I am a pretty introverted person by nature. So speaking up about things is not the easiest for me, but I really try to. And I'm pretty proud of myself for that. <laughs> Oh, and that's definitely something that we've talked about just continuing to do as long as either of us have any type of a platform and speaking out about things. It's so important. And yeah, to help other people not feel alone. And also like even what Chandra said, like getting the resources out there, the information that you've mm -hmm. learned so much through this process about, you know, just the medical stuff, but also yourself, your relationship, motherhood. I mean, I can only imagine every day, you know, that you're going through something and you're learning something and experiencing something is like so important to share. And I think a fourth, one fourth of women have miscarriages and I, yeah. don't, and I had two. And so I know that it's like, sometimes you don't even tell people like this. Yeah. You just don't even say it, you know, I mean, not me and I, you know, and not you thankfully, but so many people just carry it forever. Yeah. Without I had family that I didn't know until after I had ours. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, we've had friends afterwards who have, and just so many people and it's so common and people just don't talk about it. And part of it is it's, you know, because, oh, well, it's so many people, they, it happens to them. Why do I need to talk about it? But it, that's the thing. Nobody talks about it. I didn't so. even know it was common until it happened yeah. to me. And I looked it up because mm -hmm. I had never heard anyone talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And then the grieving process, you don't really know you feel like there's a timeline or people aren't, you know, the yeah. more that you kind of find out or the less, you know, it's, 
what's okay, what's normal, what's acceptable. And the reality is it's all okay. And you only can feel that way because you hear other people talk Mm -hmm. through it. Exactly. And there's no standard. There's no rituals in place for healing or for community. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't believe after mine at 12 weeks, they were just like, okay, bye, go home and do this by yourself. And I was like taking pregnancy photos. It was, you know, and so it's just like all of a sudden there's nothing. (laughs) They just send you on your way. You have no, no guidelines, nothing. It's, it was, it's just, it's crazy. It really is. I always talk about how, you know, if you lose your spouse, you're a widow. If you lose your parents, you're an orphan. But like, if you lose a baby, you're just supposed to kind of keep rolling and it's fine. Oh, it gave me goosebumps. I've never thought of that it's it's weird because it's it's not an easy thing to go through and we had went through that um because I had had an early miscarriage first and then you know they're like well you're good go ahead you know you'll be fine you can start trying again in a month and that's when we got pregnant with Annabelle and then with her it's on paper a miscarriage but I delivered her because I was in the hospital and so I always say she was stillborn um and even with that they're like yeah give it like three months you can start trying again and I'm like I'm not ready to do that yet um not to mention like how terrifying being pregnant after that is um and you know it's just trying to deal with everything and yeah I mean with Annabelle we had you know put on Facebook that we were having a baby and Dennis ended up having to go and write this super long thing about what happened to post online because you know there was like a thousand comments congratulating us on having a baby. And then all of a sudden we're not having a baby anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, so we actually, with Eris did not tell anybody that I was pregnant and we had decided, you know, we'll post about it. Once I get well into my second trimester, well, I was on hospital bed rest at 18 weeks. And so, and then up until she was born. And um, so we actually didn't like publicly announce that we had had a baby until she was three months old. And we were like, hey, surprise, we have this child. Um, So these are things that people don't necessarily think about, you know, being on the other side of it is like Mm -hmm. being in a public space in any capacity and kind of what comes along with that and the scrutiny of just, you know, even if you don't share, there's always this, there's always chatter or the risk of somebody Mm -hmm. like bringing it up or knowing or finding out. and, And it just really is it can be really supportive and it can be really hurtful. Exactly. Exactly. And that was definitely a really unique thing to have to navigate that you just don't anticipate until you're kind of in that situation. And yeah, I think that was weird for both of us to try to have to manage that as well. Um, And, you know, with Eris, once we did, announced that she was being born and we would post updates and things like that. And for the most part, publicly, we kept it minimal. Um, We actually had made a Facebook group as well that we just like invited our friends and family into so we could give them real regular updates. Because that's another thing that gets exhausting when you have a child that's really sick like that in the hospital and you have your aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, neighbors, everyone texting you daily asking how they're doing. And some of those days they're not doing well at all it's really exhausting and they mean well of course course. but being able to just update everyone in one place was I always tell other parents I'm like please do this because you were gonna get so burned out from even like my mom texting me and I'm like I don't want to tell you 
that, you know, the doctors just said, like, if something doesn't turn around in the next 48 hours, we don't think she's going to make it. Like, I just want to, I will type it and then I'm done yeah. with it for the day. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good piece of advice. And, and actually I was thinking you'd mentioned how people are often, you know, maybe uncomfortable or, the, or you're not sure like if they want to talk about it or if they want, you know, mm-hmm. and so I guess what advice would you have for people who have friends and family in that situation? What's like the best way to approach it, the best way to respond? It's like this really weird balance sometimes of you don't want to hound them about things, but at the same time, it's also can be hurtful if you don't hear from anyone at all. And so I always tell people that it can be really helpful if you just send them a message and say like, you know, I'm thinking about you. If you want to talk about stuff, I'm available, but don't feel like you have to talk about stuff. And I know one of the things Dennis always advises people is just offer to do something for them. Like uh, when I was on bed rest, his sister put together like a meal train thing, which was really nice. Cause then I didn't have to eat hospital food for a month. Um, but just things like that. And he was like, you know, offer, like, I'm going to go over and I'm going to take care of your dog. So you don't have to swing by there tonight, or I'm going to bring you guys dinner, not, Hey, what do you need? Because in that moment, they're not going to be able to figure out what they need. And I mean, that was hugely helpful. And it's just, it's weird because even things like that you would do normally, like I got you guys a baby gift. I didn't want baby gifts because I was so scared that she wasn't going to make it. And then I was going to get home and have this pile of baby stuff. And so I, my mom, I can remember kept asking me, you know, what's your baby registry link? And I was like, you don't get that yet. Like I wouldn't let anyone buy anything until she was like six, seven months old. Um, because I was just terrified of that. So it's like, the biggest thing I think is just making sure that they know I'm, I'm here for you. And then also just like walk outside of the hospital. Cause I brought you coffee. I know you've been sitting up there for 12 hours or I brought you food, you know, or how are they doing today? Okay, good. You can leave for an hour. Cause we're going to go get lunch. Um, I think I lived off of Starbucks and vending machine food for nine months. So that was whenever people would do things like that was very much appreciated. That's great. Well, that ties into the next question. Since you've been with Dennis since the inception of the band through everything, all of the, you know, experiences of like creating this band um, life together. So I bet you have some good advice for other band spouses out there, whether it's tips, tricks, or psychological encouragement. I always tell people and like some of my friends that date other guys in the band and stuff, like when they first started dating, I'm like, just don't, don't, don't look at social media. You're going to either get, you know, like offended because somebody's <laughs> complaining about Oh my gosh. I needed that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, I can remember. So Dennis and I were friends for like 10 years before we ever started dating. And I'm honestly really glad that we did not date when he was touring 10 and 11 months out of the year because I would have hated it. Now they do like two week tours here and there. And that's much more manageable. Um, but so we were all, we were friends and then we started dating. And I remember the first year we were dating, they were still touring a lot more. And I would look at his Facebook. I think they were in Europe or something. And I was looking, I think at Instagram and somebody had just made this really simple comment. Like it was so great hanging out with you last night. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, who is that? And now I'm just like, eh, whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's also like, it's been nine years that we've been together. And so, yeah, I was just telling you, I'm like, don't, you're either going to get paranoid or jealous, or you're going to get offended about something. Just don't, just don't look at it. Now though, I'm doing the band social media. So that's weird. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> when know. worlds collide. Yeah, exactly. So, but at that at the same time, it's nice because I feel like I've been able to see things like a lot of people have named their child Alisana. Uh, like a lot uh, like I thought maybe it was like five and since I've been on their social media I'm like oh no it's like 50. Actually really beautiful name. Yeah it is. It's so they're actually named uh the so Dennis is the screamer um but Sean the singer and one of the guitars Pat lived on a street in Baltimore named Alice Anna Street which is how they got the name um and then they moved to Raleigh and met Dennis and that's when the band started but yeah, there was a girl that had messaged the page last tour because her daughter's name was Alisana and it was her birthday and she wanted to come to the show, but she didn't know if like it was an all ages show. And so, I mean, I was able to help, you know, I think they gave her like a shirt. And so I was able to be like, hey, Dennis, like do this for this little girl. So that's nice. I like being able to do stuff like that, you know, talk to different people. But it's always weird because obviously when people message the band or leave a comment, they think it's the band responding. And I mean, half the time I'm sitting right next to Dennis, I'm like, oh, look at this. <laughs> it's also helpful, too, with me doing the merch because if people have a question about stuff, I can answer. But yeah, I'm not the best at social media. But I would rather do theirs than my own most of the time. I actually feel like it's the best scenario to have somebody in the camp doing the social because you, yeah. you have answers readily available. Sometimes it right. can be tricky hiring like a an outside yeah. source they just don't get it or know the lore or whatever it is so mm-hmm. exactly uh that was actually maybe one of the greatest tips we've ever heard on this show uh-huh. because it's so simple <laughs> but I'm sure you get this like why why aren't you coming to my city this is a personal attack against <laughs> me it is a yeah. personal slight it's yeah. like routing people yeah it's okay it's like so many venues shut down because of COVID and I know there's been some cities they really want to go to And it's like, just logistically, like we're playing here and we want to go here, but we can't because there's nowhere to stop between those two days. Oh, and also now that venue is booked. Totally. And there's, and like, and I get that people don't get that because you really wouldn't if you're not around it, but they're not (laughs) doing it on purpose. Also, they don't book their own tours. They have an agency. Yeah. Even like bus overdrives, there's only a certain amount of hours that a tour bus driver is allowed to legally drive. And then if you have to have a long drive, you add all these costs and hotel rooms and flying another driver. It's a whole thing. Right. Yeah. And I know like people have no idea like how expensive touring is because it is so expensive. Buses themselves lately too. Expensive, hard to book. Yeah. It's crazy. They've been touring um, the past several years, actually just in a van because they go out and they usually do like two week tours and I'm like you guys have fun I'm not coming <laughs> like I'll fly in somewhere and then yeah. go home um not not doing the van for days on end oh um, my gosh so, yeah okay well we've like, clearly oh, yeah. lived a lot we've lived a lot of lives here <laughs> uh, we've talked about a lot of things you have really unique experiences in you know in your like love life and your parenting life in this journey. So I feel like your answer is going to be really important to hear. Uh, No pressure. This next question is, what do you know to be true about yourself, the world, and the universe? So I think probably that you can prepare for every single thing you can think of. And something is always going to happen that you are not prepared for. And you kind of just have to roll with it. And things are going to work out one way or another. They may not be how you wanted them to work out, but they're going to work out. Dennis and I are a good example. I, first time I met Dennis, I was 20. 
I will be 39 next month. So it was a very long time ago. And I saw my mom that evening. I was like, I met this guy. I'm going to marry him one day. We didn't start dating until I was 30. But, you know, it worked out, you know, but then there's these other things like, did I think that I was going to have a baby that was in the hospital for nine months? Of course not. But now she's doing great. Did I think I was going to lose babies before that? No, but we're managing, you know, and this is our family. And it's just none of that I was prepared for, Um, you know, especially like with having a baby, you read your your pregnancy books, you read your blogs and you try to have a birth plan and you do all this and all of that went out the window for me. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm still very much a planner. Like I need to know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but it doesn't always work that way. So. <laughs> it's like the, what was the, the, there's like that famous story about um, uh, having a child with any sort of like unique need and like you prepare for your trip to Italy and you learn Italian and do all the things yeah, and you get off uh, and you're in Holland. Yeah, in Holland. And yeah, I cried the first time I read that. Oh my it's God. really, really sweet. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it talks about how you're so excited and you've read all these books and you're learning Italian and then you get there and you're in Holland and you don't know why, but you start to realize that Holland's really pretty and Holland has tulips and Holland has windmills and maybe it's not the life that you planned, but it doesn't mean that it's not still beautiful. So yeah, I still cry when I think about yeah, it. Yeah, like, so it, it's perfect. It makes so much sense with what you go through. And, you know, we're lucky because doctors are kind of like, we think all of her stuff she's going to grow out of, and she's going to catch up developmentally. And we don't anticipate her having any long-term issues, but at the same time, if she does, she does, you know, she's perfect and super cute. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what about the world uh, and the universe? Do you have any, anything for that? Same kind of thing. You just can't. You can't plan, you know. Can't it's... plan for aliens. No. You, or you can. <laughs> I guess you just plan for it all, you know. You know it's a possibility. Yeah. It's... I can't believe it. I can't believe that the alien talk is like, it's like 50 pages in on my, like, news app. Like, people are too hot to care. <laughs> like, I barely see it. And I'm like, how are people yeah. not, like, super into this? Like, I know. Did you see the Tom DeLong post yesterday? Oh, I bet he's mm-hmm. so justified. He must be so, so pumped. Funny. So good. It's really good advice, though, just to be flexible. It's yeah. also, in my mind, what I hear is no need to plan. No need to plan at all. It just doesn't matter. I still matter. need to learn that. That would yeah. be great for me to learn. It, it, I mean, it really is because it's kind of just, I think the big thing I've tried to teach myself is if your plans get messed up, and this could be, you know, your day-to-day or something major, then be upset, you know, like be bummed that this fell through or this is going a different way, but then just accept it and keep going because you're going to have to sooner or later. And the worst thing you can do is just sit there and dwell on what didn't happen instead of trying to be happy for what is happening. Absolutely. Float instead of fight the waves kind of thing. Exactly. That's really good advice. Um, okay, so some easier questions now, a little bit lighter. We're going to float <laughs> towards the end of this <laughs> interview. Um, what are you binge watching, reading, or listening to right now? So reading, I'm always reading, usually like two or three books at once. Um, so I've been reading, Stephen Fry wrote a mythology series. And so I've been reading slash listening to them because he narrates the audiobooks. So they're really good um 
So I'm still in the first one. It's Mythos, but then he has like Heroes and I think Troy is the other one. And I've always really liked Greek mythology. Eris is actually named after the Greek goddess of chaos, which <laughs> very fitting when you're born four months premature. Uh. Um, so yeah, that's very on brand for Dennis and I to have named her something like that. And then her nurses in the NICU, her middle name is Victoria. And so the nurses would only call her Victoria if she was having a bad day. They wouldn't call her Eris. And so, yeah, so I've been reading that. Um, and then I'm also reading, I'm usually reading some sort of ridiculous fantasy with like oh, yeah. vampires or something in it. So I'm also reading the second book in the Crescent City series. Um, I just started that though. So the other one's really good. I don't know why I can't just read one book at a time. Same. I've always got something. 100% same. And I wish that I didn't do it just because half the time I will be like, I won't pick one of them up. And then I'm like, oh, I don't remember what I was reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other day, my husband was like, I thought you finished this book. You re- you moved on, but you're like, mm-hmm. you have a bookmark like a quarter of the way in. And I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> I know. Don't it's judge so me. It's so bad. And I always like, and every time I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Or if I buy books, I'm like, let me just buy one. So I don't do that. And then I'm like, oh, walking out of the bookstore, you know, like this mm-hmm. huge stack of books. Do you ever buy books at the airport when they're like, you can return these and then you can get new ones. There's a program. It's like a library almost system, but you have to save the receipt, which is like, I'm out. Mm. And then you have to give it back. I also never want to return books. Like I I have so much stuff that I'm like, I don't even think I ever read that, Mm -mm. but I don't want to get rid of it. Mm -mm. It's beautiful. And I could. Yeah, we have so many bookcases and then I have boxes and boxes and boxes. I was really bad about that with Eris too. When she first came home, way more books than a toddler could ever yeah. possibly need. Maybe used bookstore up the road. So I would be like, look, I got this giant box of books and they were only like 60 cents each. And then Dennis is like, but why did you buy her a hundred books? I'm like, I, don't, I don't know. You also don't know what they're going to like to read. So you exactly. have to have a lot of options. I also can't yeah. get rid of my children's books either. And that's the hardest part because there are so many books he's not coming back to. Like he's right. not reading the hungry caterpillar <laughs> at nine, yeah. but it's so meaningful now. And it, I it, it just, he just can't. So yeah. I support this habit. Yeah. That's definitely my big one. I hoard books. <laughs> what about listening? Are you listening to anything new? We're always trying to get new recommendations. So I've been listening to Dayseeker a lot recently. Okay. Um, It's funny, like Dennis screams in the band, but I, and Dayseeker's not super heavy, but I tend to listen to heavier music than he does. um he's really all over the place which I feel like is good being in a band that you should be getting you know inspiration from a bunch of different places but that's kind of been the big one that I've been listening to recently this one is relevant to the same question what would your theme song be that one is so hard so I was trying to think about that and I'm like okay everything I listen to is either sad or it's like really heavy and like half the time some of their songs are like semi-macabre and I'm just like I don't feel like any of these would be really good as a theme song like this one makes me cry or like this one's just really emotional um I have no idea that is such a hard one this that is a really hard one I struggled with the same thing. Yeah, because I was like, Elliot Smith is who I like feel like that would, but you can, I don't think you should choose an Elliot Smith song, right. you know? Yeah, uh, so it's tricky. Our guest last week chose uh, the circus theme. <laughs> That's a they, good one. 
She knew the name of it. The real, yeah. I don't even think I knew that. I mean, I guess it makes sense it had a name, but I don't think. But the name didn't even feel remotely close to what the song is, so we were like, we don't know what that is. And she's like, you know, do 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 do, and we're like, oh yeah, of course we know. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I have no idea. Maybe something from some video game. I I don't play video. I so growing up, I played a ton of video games, and I would always play the ones that like had really in depth stories, which fits since I've always read a ton. Um, I don't have as much time to do that now as I want to, but every once in a while I'll get in really into something, but then I feel bad because I'm like, oh, let me go play with my child. <laughs> so, or it's like 2 a.m. and I'm like, I should really go to sleep because she's oh going to be God. awake in like four hours. What was but, the last you know, video game you deep dived into? I was playing this one recently that's like this really small, really simple one called Dredge. And it's really weird. So you or like a ship captain and you go on and you go fishing but it turns into it's very like lovecraft like there's weird stuff in the ocean and you're and so you have to like solve a mystery so it was interesting but that sounds awesome yeah it was pretty fun before that i was playing um the harry potter video game that came out yeah. earlier this yeah. year so yeah my husband and my son went deep dived into that pretty hard i heard yeah. the new zelda is really good too yeah i thought about getting that i've actually got a zelda tattoo on my arm so that was one of my big ones yeah yeah keaton my son is really into elden ring and that was written mm-hmm. by george rr R. martin and he's yeah. telling me about the storyline like every there's so many details it's crazy yeah it's crazy some of that stuff like how detailed they get and how much backstory stuff I have and i love that kind of stuff it's nice too like because you know sometimes i know i i have really bad adhd so like i Sometimes I will go through months where I, if I have any downtime whatsoever, I'm reading. And then there will be like a four month period where I cannot pay attention to read anything. And so that usually in those points is helpful because I can do that because I'm doing something and not just sitting and reading, but I kind of, depending on the game can kind of get the same feeling from it. All right. We're on our very last question. And I don't know if it pertains to video games or not, because you've got so much going on. But when Dennis is traveling, what small thing or guilty pleasure do you look forward to? I stay up a lot later. He is very much more like, oh, I have to get up early. Let me go to bed. It's 1030. And I'm like, I have to get up early. I'm going to stay up till three. (laughs) I've always been like that. And unless I am just can't keep my eyes open, I feel like I just took NyQuil kind of tired that's my downtime is when she's asleep and sometimes he's asleep, but it's a lot easier to do when he's on tour because I'll sit up and I'll read or I'll sit up and I'll play video games or watch TV or something. Uh, There's also a lot of shows that like if he's home, I won't watch because he doesn't want to watch them. We try to watch the same stuff if he's home. So there's a bunch of stuff like I'll catch up on when he's on tour. So like what? So we had watched the Witcher together. And then the newest season, he keeps putting on something else and not wanting to watch it. So I already told him that they leave actually uh, t- two weeks from yesterday. They go back out on tour and it's short. They're only gone. Like the first one is local. They're playing in Chapel Hill um, at Cat's Cradle. And then they'll be home in like a week and a half. But I was like, I'm going to watch this while you're gone because I've been wanting to watch it and you don't want to watch it with me. So I'm going to I'm going to watch this now. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. I haven't caught caught up with season two of that yet either. I had to watch White Lotus alone. I tried to start it with Adam and it was the same thing. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then he was gone and I'm like, I'm watching it. 
I don't know what I was doing. And I came in and I'm like, when did you start this? And he was already like half a season deep. So he watched it without me. I did the same thing with the bear, which is crazy because I same. thought I'd really like it. I wanted to watch it. And then we started it and I was like, oh, this is, no. Oh, he, he watched it. He watched you. it. I watched it without Adam. Adam didn't like it. He, was, he, that, he doesn't like to be stressed. I feel I bring enough stress into the relationship. (laughs) This is the same way we were talking about something and he was like, I just can't watch. He was like, that's why I've never finished Breaking Bad or I never finished this. He's like, because I just get too stressed out. I can't keep watching it. Yeah. Like, okay. We both quit Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did too, actually. I finished it. I actually loved that show so much. I like stress. I I feel it it helps. (laughs) It helps just like. Cathartic. eh, That's not, that's a Tuesday. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) um we did this it was so great I had goosebumps for like 90 yeah. percent of this episode I kept having to do this because I was like <laughs> yeah it was so amazing speaking with you yeah, thank you like even the fact that you guys met when you were 20 and yeah he was 18 like he wild. was 18 when we met and it's hilarious to me in retrospect yeah. I think that band had been going for like six months and it was one of those things like we kind of had like a fling when we first met and then like he had a girlfriend and I lived with him and his girlfriend. And then that was when they started touring all the time. Like they basically went up to somewhere and just didn't come home and they were just gone and gone and gone. And it was so weird. Cause all of a sudden I'm like, you know, pulling them up on YouTube. I'm like, that is a significantly bigger crowd than they used to play for. And you know, Oh, they have a bus now. And it just, you know, was really weird watching, but we would always stay in touch and sometimes there'd be six months or even maybe even a year where we didn't speak. And then he would text me or call me and it would be like no time had passed whatsoever. So we always stayed pretty close, but pretty much either I had a boyfriend or he had a girlfriend. And it was, he had actually uh, called me at one point and was like, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Like, maybe I can take you on a date. And I'm like, Oh, I have a boyfriend. Sorry. So we didn't do that. And then he ended up dating somebody and they got married and while he was engaged I broke up with my boyfriend and I cried the day they got married um and they split after like a year and then that's when him and I started talking and then ended up married so it was very up and down and up and down and up and down but here we are so honestly sometimes you have to go through those like yeah life pathways because if you had met at 20 and gotten married like who knows you know you have to like evolve and become who you're going to be but like staying parallel in your lifelines is a pretty Mm -hmm. big deal yeah so I'm I mean I know we're both really happy now but we even say that I'm like I am so glad we did not date back when we first met because you I'm usually like because you needed to grow up some (laughs) um but you know I love it well, thank you so much for making the yeah, time. It was you. a pleasure talking to you. Enjoy you your so flower picking. Send to every oh, picture you have, yes. please. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure I will be posting things online because I have a feeling it's going to be very cute. Can't wait. Bye. All right, bye. bye. bye.